This is the Inspiration Science Podcast, your guiding podcast on evolving your own science in life to holistically strive. We believe there is no general way of living and healing, but your universal way. You succeed the highest when you do you. On this podcast, we'll dive into deep conversations on mental health and aligning purpose to business for enlightening harmony in life. I'm your host, Osin June. Welcome everyone back to the Inspiration Science Podcast. I'm so excited and grateful to welcome my today's guest. He's amazing. I've been following him on Instagram and his content, the way he's embodying his purpose is just fascinating to me. His name is Brian Covey. He's the founder of the Covey Holdings and the EVP at the Revolution Mortgage. And over the last two decades, he has been building amazing teams, managing so many things around the world. And he took his 10x growth in the most recent team original from production from 245 million to 2.45 billion as well in the last five in less than five years. And he's really high when it comes to like champions mindset, resilience, um, recruiting, leading global teams. And today's conversation is going to revolve around some of the things as an entrepreneur, the struggles behind the scenes, awakening to God. And he's also the author of his book, Conversations with Kobe. Um, If you want access to that, I'm going to also link this below. And he's also the host of the Brian Kobe's show. Today's he's my guest. So <laughs> I'm so excited to interview him and also um, publishing so many major publications and things, but it's most importantly of who he is. So thank you so much, Brian, for coming on. And I'm so excited to hear a little bit more about your story as well as your awakenings that you had in your entrepreneurial journey. I'm excited. Thanks for having me on, Austin. This is the the joy of what we get to do: connect with people, share the stories, and realize we're a lot more connected than we're not. And there'll be some lessons and things people hopefully be able to learn from my experience and things that I've gone through that can help them where they're at. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, to start off the conversation, I know you mentioned that for, you know, that everyone has a competitive edge. We all have our own unique gifts and things. What would you say is your competitive edge and your power? Oh, I love that. Well, I started playing soccer at a young age, like three. My older brother was five years older and I would show up and chase him around, right? Because it was as the younger brother, that's, that's what you do. And from an early age, I always had this competitive drive of, I would show up and just want to compete. I would want to do more, want to do extra. And that's not always the case later in life, but I realized there was this competitiveness in me. And I, I coined that, that competitive edge and competitive drive. Mine was birthed through failures and losses, teams that, you know, I got to the highest levels of getting to play with like the U.S. men's national team and the Olympic team and all that, but also being cut. And I realized every time that adversity hit, whether it was a car crash in the sixth grade that I broke my collarbone, my hand went through the windshield and like things were not going my way. I always found a way to get back into the game. And I always made a decision that no matter what, I wasn't going to quit and I was going to show up and compete. And I think my competitive edge is I've learned now in life and business of being laid off from jobs, not getting the job, you know, being fired, um, having ups and downs financially through 07, 08 in the financial crisis. I always have put myself back in the game. And I've learned over time, the sooner I can do that, the better I'll be. And so mine has really been around learning as a kid and to now is put yourself back in the game. And my competitive edge is I show up and compete. No matter what my feelings say, no matter what's there, that's when I've found my purpose. And that's when I know that 
actually on the other side of that, there, there's joy, right? Nobody wants to sit on the sideline um, for very long if you do at all. And so I think mm-hmm. we've all got that competitive edge, but that's been mine over time is just continuing to have the resiliency and the grit show up and compete. I love that. I love that you, you know, like the power of showing up, nonetheless, also the discipline around that. And you mentioned also grounded in purpose. What's your view when it comes to purpose? You know, many people, these say talk about, I found my purpose and then it can change again. It evolves. We go through so many identity shifts. We evolve and have so many iterations of oneself. You know, how did your purpose over the past years changed? Oh, man, that's a great one. The biggest thing for me, purpose for me, like kind of eluded me or in my 20s and 30s, it was really confusing. I was like, find your purpose, you know, and Simon Sinek, like start with why. And I'm like, I don't know my why. I don't know my purpose. Mm -hmm. And I I think for a lot of us, the more things we can do, right, whether that's travel, whether that's working in different industries, whether that's finding other mentors, whether that's showing up on social and actually connecting with people. What I found is when you start to show up in all those areas, you're going to have things that you really love. You're going to have some things that you like. You're going to have some things, let's be real, that you don't enjoy whatsoever. And you really need to take, take, be mindful of that. Take inventory of what they are. Because what I have found, the things I enjoy the most are mm-hmm. probably things that I'm good at. For most of us, I mean, if you were to say, hey, Brian, go out there and let's go play golf for the next five days in a row. I'm not good at it, which means I probably won't enjoy it unless I have a great teacher or something unique to it. Mm-hmm. But if you say, Brian, Let's go out and play soccer the next five days, right? Or let's go travel with your kids and go snowboarding. Sign me up. And and our purpose is found in the things that we do in the service of others. And I think that's how God created us was the more that you really find out what your gifts are, what you like, and you start to realize them, then you serve other people with those gifts, not just yourself. That's a Mm -hmm. big differentiator. When you serve other people, then now you're in the realm of fulfillment. And so my purpose what I've realized has evolved. I've got three kids, seven, 14, and about to be 16. And it once was a professional soccer player. It once was myself, right? Been married 20 years. Now my purpose has expanded to really pursue, and I say relentlessly pursue greatness. And that purpose for me now is to show up every day and to be an example for other people and in life and in business. And many times I think marriages are under attack. Business leaders are not evolving. There's a gap there that exists quite a bit. I think there's a lot of people looking for people that they can relate to and that will be an example for them, not just in business, not just in life, but their faith, their fitness, their finances. And so my purpose now has evolved. And how can I give back the 20 plus years of learning and the 20 years prior to that of sports? Mm-hmm. How do I give that back to other people and teach them? That's where the book came from is really my purpose has evolved into serving others while I'm also personally developing myself. Because here's what I've learned. The better I get and the more equipped I get, the more people I can serve, right? Like think about when you were a teenager, you couldn't relate to as many people as you could as you've gotten older and you have the experiences to then relate to them. And so the more skills we acquire, I think that's the more people we can serve. 
Yes. Wow. I love that. And I love how you kind of holistically, you know, mentioned the other areas as well. It's marriage, kids, because a lot of entrepreneurs, they believe they need to sacrifice all these areas in order to focus on their business. And I see so many entrepreneurs struggling their dating life, marriage um, with kids and stuff. And to kind of, you know, it sounds just easier said than done. And many people have a different way on how to go about it. What is your experience and view when it comes to work-life balance? Some people find the term really abstract. Other people call it harmonized integration. Like, how's it been for you going, like juggling all of this, including three kids? Yeah, wow. Uh, phenomenal question. And one that I've struggled with um, many times throughout my career of being a, a young entrepreneur and just married and then having kids. And, you know, I remember we were married five years. And if you can imagine, you know, I'm in mortgage and real estate. And so in the United States, 07 and 08 were some of the worst years of the actual housing crash, the crisis that was happening. I was laid off from my position at the bank at that time because everything was falling apart. And I remember we had just had our first two kids. So imagine the pressure of new dad, business is collapsing, get laid off from your job. I'm taking any job within the company I can get at that point. Mm -hmm. And I was really pushed into having to travel more than now that I look back than I would have liked to. But, but, you know, we all say, okay, we got to do what we've got to do. And, and I agree in certain seasons that's there, but the goal should always be to get back into a season that you are in harmony, that you're working. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people, there's a debate out there, like, is there a work-life balance? You'll, you'll have people that say it doesn't exist and, and these things. And I think it depends on how you define work-life balance. So I would take a step back. And for most of us today, what my challenge would be to you, my breakthrough came, one of them came when I defined success on my terms, like what did success actually look like? And, and you can quantify that if you want. Like some people are like, well, if I make this much money or I have this house or I have this many kids or I live here or this is the job I'm doing, all that's great, but really get down to the point of it of what if you didn't make that number on your goal? Are you a failure? I don't think so. Definitely not in God's eyes, but success for me, started to become about, I wanted to do the things I wanted to do, which were spend time with my family, work with great people with high integrity, be around people that would challenge me and develop me. So I wanted to do that. And I wanted to be around the people that I wanted to be challenged with. And I wanted to be able to do that when I could do it. So it was doing the things I want to do with the people I want to do when I wanted to do them, which means you do need to earn enough money, right? Like you need to have freedom to say yes to this and no to things, or you're always saying yes to everything, which is a bad place. And what I realized in my evolution, when you define success and then you know what it is, you can pursue that. Now, what was another big breakthrough, most people don't think about this. You got work-life balance, but you have what is called integration. And so I'll just give you real world. Let's just cut into like tactics I use today. Fast forward, I've got a seven, you know, I mentioned 14 year old and about to be 16 year old. So now I use integration. And the way that looks for me is fitness is important. Faith is important you know, finances, all those things, family, all those go together. Well, what if you could actually work out with your kids? Do you have time with your kids? You can talk about Jesus. You can talk about your faith. You can start checking in on your kids and all. And we do that quite often. And whether that's a walk, like this weekend, I went on about a 30-minute walk with my oldest, my daughter, and we just talked. Well, that's fitness. I'm walking. I'm getting my health, my, my things in. Or I could go work out with them. Or I could take them on a snowboarding trip. I took our middle son to a snowboarding trip. We went together, did things we loved. We got to spend time together. To me, that's integration. Some might call that work-life balance, but to me, it's can you integrate things 
that matter in, in, in repetition. Like it can't just be one time a week. So I'll give you one more example. Um, I'll say that I've been using is your kids go to a practice or they go to a training. If they play sports, I started doing running, listening to podcasts, listening to audible books. I started feeding my mind and my brain and doing things because the reality is I'm not coaching them. I'm not on the field. So I'm integrating. I'm at the practice. They know I'm there, but they don't care if I'm sitting there staring at them or I'm actually just at the practice. That's what I learned. And then in the car rides, this is another sweet spot. So when you're driving your kids, have the phone down, the music down, engage and have conversations with your kid. That's, that to me is integration and living a life on purpose. It's all around us if you look for it. You just have to find ways to integrate what matters with the people that matter. Wow, that's so amazing. Thanks for sharing that. And I love how you, again, like even the conversation, the way you speak sounds very integrative because you and well, you mentioned all these areas. And I think it also ties in with the goal setting. Many people, you know, when they want to succeed in business, they only have business goals. I want to make that type of revenue. I want to make this change in this marketing goal. And they forget fitness, health. And I've learned throughout my journey to be simultaneous um, in, you know, without my health, I cannot perform in business. I make money. So I need the fitness goals as well. And without my relationships that makes me fulfilled, I won't be able to do my fitness and things as well. Like it's all integrated and it's all simultaneous at the same time. And when it comes to like goal setting, like how do you go about it? Like to set enough high goals that challenges you that you feel like that makes sense, but also goals that are, so to say, realistic to achieve in that sense, because so many people, they just, they are, they are scared to play big. And then they just kind of, they think like playing small, so they achieve that or they get disappointed. And, you know, people really struggle with the goal setting. So what's your view on that and how do you set goals? I I love this one. And I've studied a lot of high performers and at one point was doing that in sports. And so I take clues from from people that are around me and and learn as much as I can from people. And so I'll, I'll break into what my belief and then we'll jump into like how I actually attack these is my belief is people that are coached, that have a coach in their life, a mentor, someone that regularly meets with them, they're going to outperform people that are not. So I would start there. Actually, before any of the goal setting, the writing down, all of that stuff there is the first place you need to look at is, do you have someone in your life to help you along the journey and to mentor and coach you? Because that will accelerate whatever results you put on paper and you write down your goals, all of those things you're chasing after, you can get there faster with a coach and a mentor. So I have one. We actually meet every Monday. So before our call, I was actually on with my coach. What we have done that's worked really well for me the past couple of years is we call it a project design. And I write down there's four areas that I want to excel in. And the first one is business, right? I start there and we're going to write down all the numbers, all the income stuff. That's great. We need to write it down. We need to have clarity and focus and our intentions need to be set on what we're going to do. And then within that, I'm writing down really the drivers. Like, how am I going to get there? Where, where is this revenue coming from? This income? What investments am I doing? Fantastic. Another big one for me was when I was launching my podcast and my book. And you know, how do I make sure that I'm actually serving other people? And so I started going through that. And you continue to go down the list and my fitness. And then I went through with my family. And I call that legacy. Is what are the things I'm doing around our family that are not just what you think. It's not just vacations. Although this year we chose the word vacation. My project design was we want to travel every month, which 
we're on track three months into the year and we're traveling a lot more this year. We just decided, you know, life is too short and, and that project design really is nice because you can set things in your intentions forward of what is it I want to do? And just, I wouldn't overcomplicate this stuff, but what I found is writing that out, sharing that with someone and having your intentions set. Now I'm going to break that down for you on another level is I review that not only every month, but every 90 days, I call them sprints. The next 90 days, I know and it works because it's a quarter. I know exactly what those results are going to be. Mm-hmm. The first quarter's already happened. The rest of the year is going to happen, but I need a 90-day focus. And our brains, I believe, can think in those contextual timeframes really well. And then all the while, I know what my annual goal is. I know what my five-year goal is, which is really more of that visualization, thinking beyond where I am today. And that's the big picture. That's the one, you know, Austin, I would tell you that most people struggle with is we, we underestimate what we can do in five years. We really do. And, and we think, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that five years. Guys, I can tell you the last five years by doing it this way, 90 day sprints, annual quantifiable goals. My five years was huge. I mean, it's, it's amazing what you can accomplish with the right people in your life. And so now I'm at a place where the next five years, some of the goals, they do scare me. I think they're crazy. Let's be real. Some of the goals I wrote down, I'm like, this is crazy if it could happen, but why not? And I started to adopt the mindset of why not me? Like, why, why, why not? Why mm-hmm. not for my family? Why, why can't I do that? And you start just to set it aside and write it out, really get creative and write these things out and dream about, which I found travel, which is interesting that we've chosen to travel more this year. Travel really opens your mind to what's possible, right? Like the 8 billion people in the world and all these people that are doing these things that you might want to do. And why not? And so that's how I break those things down so that I'm staying focused, but also achieving the results as I go along. And the last part I would tell you is don't get hung up on in the first quarter. We missed one of our goals, right? On the financial and the business side. We didn't hit it. Well, I can't go back and fix that today. I can only control what's in the next like day ahead of me and the weeks and months ahead of me. And so when it does happen, and it will, you have to continue to move forward and not let yourself fall into an excuses or patterns of, oh, well, the year's just shot. You know, I missed my diet. I'm off my fitness. Get back in the game immediately. That's how you're going to win. Wow, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And it's so great that you know set an intention also with your family. Again, the integration with family, vacation, the business as well. And you mentioned a very important point, the focus, because you said like you have your sprints where you're like 90 days straight on focusing. And then you have like these months and days where you're more traveling, doing your things, more with your family. So you set really clear intentions around that. And I think as we grow as an entrepreneur, there are also many opportunities coming in. And sometimes saying no, as much as we say yes powerfully, is also a big part. And I feel as much as we have opportunities, we need to filter out and the filter needs to grow as well. So how do you kind of figure out and make this decision of whether yes, no, and, you know, people inviting you. Now I invited you to my podcast, you know, even saying yes to that. So how do you make those decisions and maintain your focus? So I was reading an article this morning, actually, um, Warren Buffett was talking about the difference between successful people and highly successful. And, and it, we've heard it, but I'm going to repeat it. And, and I think it's really good for all of us is the highly successful people, the one differentiator they have is they say no to a lot of things. 
Mm-hmm. And, and you think about that is they're saying no to a lot of things because so that they can say yes to the things that matter. And whether it's their family or their faith, their fitness, the things that they've said are priorities, then it really matters our actions in alignment with those. And so I've been successful in my life where I go, man, I've been successful, but I found myself saying yes to too many things. And then what I realized is I wasn't highly successful in those seasons because I was saying yes to too many things. And often, you know, we think we just have to say yes to every opportunity or everything that that comes about. And we really need to be clear on this is where that defining success looks like and being relentless in that pursuit. So I would tell you for me and probably for many people that are listening is that difference for you is audit for the next two weeks. What I did was a 30 day, but I would just say for two weeks to, to 30 days, write down everything that you're saying yes to and everything you're saying no to and put a reason. Why did you say yes? And why did you say no? And if it's a yes, I would also encourage you, this was what I did. Is it in alignment with how you define success in your current goals, your current goals today? And that will help you as you go through. You can audit this at the end of the two weeks or 30 days. I started to realize there's a lot of things I was saying yes to just because I was being nice, because it felt good in the moment, because it just, I wanted to say yes, right? Mm-hmm. What I found is when those were not in alignment, I wasn't living in my purpose. I wasn't really being fulfilled. And those were things that were nice to have. They weren't my must haves. And so we have to be relentless in what we say yes and we say no to. And that was a good thing for me to go through. That exercise will give you clarity of what you're doing today. And then you can move forward into what you would like to be doing and you will do in the future. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing this exercise. I think it's so powerful to, again, the awareness to raise that, to make the changes happen. And, you know, I think another thing to do all of this and our conversation, I think is like great leadership to the personal leadership, how we lead ourselves, our family, our communities and the company as well. And I know you're really, you have a lot of experience building multi-billion dollar teams, recruiting, hiring, and so many entrepreneurs, they are very controlling. You know, it's really hard for them to delegate, to trust and um, trust in relationships, trust in business. Like it comes all together. And I'm curious to know what's one of your biggest learnings and the biggest shifts you've made in your leadership to make more money, to create bigger success? Because one of the stories is that you took like the original media production company to from 245 million to two point. For billion. So it's like really a big gap. So what happened there in your leadership and how you go about that? Ooh, this is a fun one. And, and for all of us, we, we're at a certain point today and John Maxwell talks about there's the, the law of the lid, right? And, and if you're, let's say a six out of 10, the chances of you recruiting and hiring people that are seven, eight, nines out there is, is slim. It, it just is. And what I realized for me, you know, Austin, was that there were points in my career I can look back and I was probably a four or five. And so I was attracting four and fives and probably less, twos and threes. Mm -hmm. And with those come a lot of issues, come a lot of problems, comes a lot of headaches and success is harder. And so where I would start, and this is kind of, um, Stephen Covey talks about this, is, is begin with the end in mind. Well, for me to attract the right people, for me to have the right people on the team surrounding me, they're going to make me better, but also the team that I envision that's going to win and, and be a championship team. We need to be attracting those seven, eights, and nines. Well, the only way to do that is for 
myself to be on this relentless pursuit of my own development so that people realize I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out, but I am going to show up every day. And this is what I'm committed to. And when I started to raise my ability, my lid, you start to attract people into your life that are at that same level or sometimes even higher. What I realized, once you start getting around that seven, eight realm, you might be able to recruit a nine in, right? You might be able to recruit because they know you're on that same pursuit. You have a lot of value alignment, but you're never going to recruit. If, if you're a, a three, four, five, you're not recruiting the top echelon in your industry today. And that's where most entrepreneurs stop is they're so great at one, two, three things in their business, but they've forgotten that it's a team sport. It's not all about you anymore. And the best entrepreneurs, they bring on intrapreneurs that really the only difference I say is the entrepreneur puts up the money, has the vision, usually takes on more of the risk that's there. But great intrapreneurs are going to be committed to the vision, the mission, and they're going to work alongside you and make you look even better and fill in those weaknesses and areas. And so if I were doing this today and you're looking to attract the right people, it starts with you who you are, what you believe, and how you show up every day is going to be who you attract. So if you're not attracting the right people, it's time to look in the mirror. Time to look and say, honest conversation. Where mm -hmm. am I? Where do I want to be? And what are the gaps? And I go back to, you know, Austin, that's where coaching, that's where intentional focus every day, that's where improving yourself, that's how you get to the next level. Yes. Wow. What an input. And you know, when, when you, once you like embody that for yourself and you attract those people, I also realized in my journey, it's been the same because when I started like two years ago, I didn't have like a network, like knowing high level entrepreneurs, celebrities for me, it seems like so far away, even making like hundred K months or millions. And after all of these things already in two years, so many things have shifted, even this podcast here, getting people on. And then I build up, I stayed, you know, I put a lot of efforts in building relationship with people and doing this, doing this, like one opportunity, one connection can open the doors for so many. And now it's like everyone wants to come on all the entrepreneurs, Hollywood, I'm working on my own movie. I'm like, people are now pitching me, um, you know, hanging out with uh, millionaires, having talk with billionaires. And that's been not possible for me or comprehensible like two years ago. And I think that's, again, like the power that we just like talked about. Another thing for me that I'm curious on is when you have the team, let's say you get the talents in, you get the nines and the tens. Um, maintaining that is another. How do you keep those talents and you know, like they are that they stay focused and still motivated throughout, and they don't that they don't leave you. Oh man, that's a good one. And here, here's what I've realized is this was a, a paradigm shift for me in a way of the reality for most people and most companies is there's no longer really lifelong employment. As much as we want people to work with us forever, um, when I shifted my mindset to okay, they're going to be here with me for seasons, mm -hmm. certain amount of seasons, just like in sports. I started to think about great sports teams. It's very rare that there's the Kobe Bryant that's at one franchise and plays there for 20 years, right? Like typically it is, they get traded, they move somewhere else. And most of our breakthroughs come in those seasons of change where we move outside of our comfort zone. And so what I realized, okay, as a leader, what does that mean? Like, what, what does all that mean for me? Well, it means that the team that's with me today I need to consistently and constantly create new opportunities within our umbrella. So it feels like it's a different company sometimes for them or a new challenge, and it's always developing them. Most important thing is to know where do they want to go? 
Where, mm-hmm. where, where do your team members want to go? What are they passionate about? What do they care about? And have the conversation so that you know where they want to go. Because what I found is people aren't going to leave your team if you know where they want to go and you're helping them get there. Right? If, if they're winning, people don't leave winning teams, right? It's very rare. Do you see an athlete, unless they got traded by someone else, mm-hmm. but you don't see an athlete on a team that wins a championship going, hey, uh, telling their agent or a coach, I'm going to leave. People do not leave teams that are winning. So creating a culture around winning, but is also a team culture would be the second part to that is if you have people that are winning on that team, all helping each other perform at a higher level, now you have a culture that people are addicted to. They want to be part of that. Because look, who wants to show up to the team that's losing money, losing people, the culture and morale are in the tank, and everybody is just complaining about what's happening? That's the team that people are exiting. So I say that's part two. And then part three, I would encourage you to think about this is as you're developing people, are you intentional about what you're doing or is it just on the fly? Meaning do you have structured calls. Who are the people you're bringing in to help coach and mentor? Are you sharing podcasts? Are you giving them books so they can learn and grow on their own? Are you being intentional in their growth? And for most of us, I read a great book. The first thing I want to do is go give that to somebody. I listen to a great podcast like, like yours. Like, I want to go share that with people. And so if you're doing that intentionally, you're going to differentiate yourself from the other people. And so if they're looking to leave, they're like, well, I wouldn't get that if I left Brian's team. You need to create that insulation and that intentionality of when they're part of your team, they know and they feel like they're better than they would be apart from your team. I love that. Wow. And it also breaks down again to the word intention, like in decision making and the teams maintaining that and then challenging them enough with new opportunities as well. That's amazing. And, you know, like I'd like to go a little bit back when you started as an entrepreneur in the very first place. I mean, you were probably in a very different place mentally, spiritually, financially and all of that. And now looking back, you're like, damn, I've made so many amazing things that you could not think of. Like, this contrast is really huge. So like, could you like tell us a little bit about what sparked you in first place to start entrepreneurship? Like, let's say for entrepreneurs listening to that in their 20s, 30s, because they're not yet. And it's really hard to relate seeing a Brian Covey making millions and thousands doing that. So yeah, how did you start all of these things? I can tell you that the ways that I failed and did not do it correctly, that I would go back and change. I think that's always the the, the point that I go back to is I tried to do too many things too fast. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was trying to play over here in the mortgage and do real estate and I was coaching soccer and I'm doing all these things. Like I was all over the board. And you know what that, that diluted focus creates diluted results, right? Because I really wasn't giving my attention anywhere. And I thought, well, if I just show up every day and I'm doing all these things, I'm busy and busy was not productive. And what I would share with everyone is when you get great at that one thing that you're great at, and I love sales, because it is a people business and sales, not in the term of I'm trying to sell someone something. No, sales in the sense of I'm building relationships, I'm building my network, I'm acquiring knowledge, I'm implementing what I've learned so that I can teach other people and be better myself. And you get great at that one thing. The, the journey of entrepreneurship for me really busted wide open when I, I adopted that and got great at it. Now, I'm gonna be real. It took me several years to actually get the wheels in motion to see the results I wanted so that then I could go invest in real estate. Then I could go invest in other franchises. Then I could go do partnership deals and set up companies with other people because they saw me as a value add. Now I wasn't just coming to the table like, give me, give me, give me. 
I came into the table with, and here's the experience I have. Here are the things that I've done. Here's my network of people that I can help you with. Get great at building relationships in your network and that one revenue stream that will then allow you to invest. Number one, reinvest in yourself. That's where I did not do that early enough in my career is I've used this rule and I'll share. I quantified this. Austin was, um, I went back through like all, all my years. Like when did I have my great years? When were my best seasons? It's when I was investing 10% of my income back into myself, back into myself. And that might not sound like a lot, or it might sound like a lot to you, depending on where you are on the spectrum. But if you go into that and you're like, okay, I make $100,000 a year, just use that number. $10,000 a year. You're going to masterminds, you have a coach, you're investing in people that are going to mentor you and teach you things that I can promise you this. They're going to teach you more value and they're going to teach you six levels up. Meaning if it's 10,000 you're investing, you should be 10xing that and six levels up. You're now starting to learn about how can I make 500,000? How can I make a million dollars a year? These people will teach you that. But until you get access and you have proximity to them, you won't get there. So for new entrepreneurs, get great at that one thing. So freaking good at it that it's moving, you're growing, and you're inviting other people that you can serve. And then from there, you can now start to invest in other businesses and opportunities because you've actually got the experience and you have the capital to go do it. You need both of those to win. Wow, that's amazing. And you know, like, I, I think it speaks a lot to a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs, people just starting out. And I've had that as well. Like before I went into coaching, mentoring and focusing on that part, one thing after the other, I was all over the place. I was like, oh, affiliate marketing sounds good. Oh, real estate. I'm like, oh, e-commerce didn't work out well. I should be just doing coaching. And I'm like, oh, I should be also writing my book. Um, I've did like a lot of things on shiny object syndrome until I had to pull myself out and say, okay, if I wouldn't make the money, if it was not for the money, what would I be doing if I knew I would be making millions or zero? And for me, it was helping people, mentoring, um, you know, like speaking directly to them and was public speaking. And once I realized that I just put a focus on that and I, before I started, I didn't realize you can make that much money with coaching. Like I was like, who would take me serious, especially because I'm young, like who would pay such a young lady? Like to get some business mentoring and then the things grew and it was possible so you know you mentioned in the beginning you also did real estate things and you were all over the place until you kind of were more intentional so would you say for someone wanting to do let's say real estate as well as coaching and similar things that you have would you say that they should just like be focusing on you know i start right now with i don't know coaching or i should start with real estate and go all in like what would you tell them based on your experiences like you know if you just like see the brian old kobe like in that 20s yeah. um what would you say Here, here's the number one thing and i'll just cut to the chase for everybody is when you get great at that one thing and you said it, and you're living your purpose, and you're showing up, and you're great at it. The money flows in. From mm -hmm. there, and only from there, then you go invest in things like real estate or writing a book. And the shortcut is, when you're so good at the one thing, your primary goal, then you have the money to invest, and I started to pay people to help me, right, to find deals, to syndicate deals, to help me write the book. And I no longer traded my time for money. And so that one thing then allowed me to invest in other franchises and businesses. And I've always kept it the main thing. When it starts to distract you with these other pieces, what I realized is I just needed to outsource that. And a lot of times we're, we're as entrepreneurs, 
we don't think we should pay someone else. We think we can just do it all ourselves. Yeah. That is not the that is not the path. When I started to outsource and say, you know what, I'm going to hire a real estate team. They're going to find deals. They're going to source them. I'm going to be part of it, but they're really doing most of the work to put those deals together. More deals came in my pipeline. I got to look at more deals that were better than I could have found on my own. And putting a great team around you, that's what it starts to look like. And then as opportunities come in, then you're able to really reinvest that capital. And you don't have to be the sole person doing every single part of the business. And so that's the lesson I've learned. And so now as I've started to invest in other companies, I've realized I need to run my one company so well that these others, now I can start to do those. And that's how you start to create other streams of income. And you really become successful because look, if you take your eye off the ball of the one thing, what you're going to find is, and I found this, is that starts to dilute and the income goes down. Well, now I'm spending all my time in other businesses that probably don't generate the same amount of return or revenue. And so you, you end up creating a double loss, basically. So keep the main thing, the main thing, and then invest and have the right people in your corner, such as CPAs, financial advisors, real estate attorneys and brokers and people that will help you structure these deals. When you have that team, look, anything's possible because I'm not trading my time for money anymore on those deals. Yeah. Wow. What a what a valuable input. I think already that input can save so much money for people, but also make so much more. Um, also trusting the process on that letting go and having the the focus on that one main thing. You know, another thing I would love to touch on um is the faith. Many entrepreneurs these days, they are kind of just like having their goals to go all in. And for me, um, I grew up in a family like actually Protestant, but I know like throughout the journey, my relationship to God got so much closer because back then in the time when my mom said, read the Bible, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like boring. And I never really did. Um, and I realized it's so important. And it's rare to sometimes find these people in such a generation. Sometimes there's so much this technology stuff, social media, a lot of demonic influences. And I know a lot of history makers, they are usually also attacked by more demon attacks um, because that demon doesn't want you to fulfill God's purpose. So how has that been, you know, in your experience, your awakening to God? How does, did that change and how did you awake to that? Oh, I love that. This, this is probably my favorite question so I, I grew up, my dad was a pastor and then went on to now he's doing Christian psychology. So I was in a house where, you know, my mom was one of the best examples of like a, a, a godly mother and, and woman and all these things where I could just tell from the relationship um, of how they loved each other and they loved other people. That's how you can usually see the fruits of the labor of like people that are really faithful. It goes beyond just reading your Bible and knowing your Bible. And that I believe that's what God's called us is now that you've had that awakening. You, you've actually got a relationship that now that that is your role and your purpose is, is to love others. And I think about, you know, really the first commandment there, like love God and love people. Like you should love people. And when you love people, you treat them well, you leave them better than when you found them. And I think that's where a lot of people, um, it's probably why they struggle in our world right now. I mean, look, we're under attack. There's a lot of things that are happening spiritually. And I watch those mm -hmm. and I can't imagine for myself like growing up and having that foundation and then really about 18 realizing that I needed a deeper relationship, you know, with God and with Jesus. And like, okay, what does that look like so that I own it? It's not given from my parents. It's not just knowing the Bible. It's not just going to church on Sunday. Like it's none of that, like that relationship matters. And I really believe for, for all of us to become 
that person that God designed us to be, that man or woman, and to be living in full potential of our greatness without faith, you really don't have anything else. Like, what's your purpose here? Like, why are you here? And if you haven't asked that question, if you haven't read the book, I would recommend The Case for Christ um, was a huge book that I went through. And if you've read it, you know, it's an atheist that really challenges his own beliefs and things and then comes to realize, wow, there really is a God. There, there really, all these things in the Bible really did happen. And today, how it looks for me is, man, look, the book of Proverbs, I was texting with a friend this morning. The book of Proverbs has some of the best wisdom ever, ever. And so if you go through that, you're like, oh, wow, I've heard that in business or I've heard someone say that. Well, guess what? The Bible is full of, of not just, you know, these stories that you think are made up. It's full of stories and teachings that will help you not only become a better person, but actually become who you were designed to be. And that's where all of us, I believe, we show up and we have this gap or this kind of feeling of we don't feel adequate. That's how you get that filled. That's how you fill your cup every day is God wants a relationship with you. He wants you to ask for help. He wants you to live in alignment with him and to learn about who he created you to be. When you do that, guess what? Your entrepreneurial journey, making money, being happy, all these things, they all start to come into place. And you realize that you only do have this one life here and then that's it. So are you going to make the most of it or are you going to squander that away? That's the choice we all have every day. And I've chosen, I'm going all in. I'm going to play. I'm going to be on God's team and and we're, we're going to play. We're going to play to win. I love that. It's a really the power of choice. And I think it's the same for Jesus, choosing Jesus every day, choosing, committing to our partner, husband, wives every day. It's a daily choice. And I think it's the same for traumas. One of the things I've learned is that, for example, traumas are not the things that made us stronger, but it's our daily choice to heal, to show up, to still surrender to Jesus. Um, as well. And I found also, you know, many entrepreneurs, they say they would recommend, you know, read those books, listen to those podcasts. And I personally found it very dangerous to sometimes acquire the knowledge because there's so much more wrong knowledge or knowledge that is not necessarily good for us to unlearn that part. So I'm very, very cautious in what type of books I read. And I found in business, one of the best principles, the things I translate from is actually the Bible. It's like the deepest grip in truth and the things, the words that do matter, the embodiment. And many people these days to just seek for the superficial things or like, oh, that's a good, you know, tip and advice and that's it. And I always look for the deeper thing so deep that you always think it gets lost in it or it comes out on the other side. But, you know, in terms of also the attacks, as we know that a lot of great history makers, they do get different attacks. And we have to first recognize how do we open the door towards these demons? And there are so many ways, you know, people fall into addiction, drugs, pornography, like there's a lot of things that invites those things into it. And then we have those things that keeps us depressed. People are suicidal. People are having financial famine, like they don't like making money. Um, they're causing more division in their family, resentment, anger, all of these things. And it's a bit of a personal question, but like in your journey, what are some of the deepest demons that you had to fight or kind of cast out in your life in order to be more light and move through with things more in unification? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I go back to as a teenager, I struggled. I got into alcohol and drugs at an early age, unfortunately, and just hanging out with the wrong crowds and you know, sports kind of afford you two different lives of like, you know, in the sense of uh, you can kind of become in a popular crowd, I guess they would call it, but they go and party on the weekends and, 
you know, we, we were coming up, I won't age myself too much, but you know, there weren't cell phones and social media like today. And so people were getting together and doing that. It's like, oh, we're going to try this or try that. And, you know, I got severely overweight as a teenager to the point at which uh, my doctor was like, your cholesterol, you're, you're overweight by so much that if, if you don't do something, you're going to have diabetes, you're going to have lifelong health impacts. I was thinking, oh my gosh, like, what have I done with like, I've already ruined my life. And I'm like this athlete, I'm still performing on the field. Mm -hmm. And yet all the while I am like wearing two shirts to the pool, not happy with who I am, which then leads you back to trying to fulfill that gap and that need with, with completely the wrong things. And, and for me, I go back to that often because I was able to overcome the fitness side and they all tied together. And that's really become, I think God gave me that as a gift of, Hey, Brian, I'm going to give you this kind of desire and urge of fitness is going to be a part of your life. And you're going to strive for that because that's going to keep you away from these other things. And look, we all have tendencies. We all have urges. But if you recognize those patterns and you know how to combat them, that to me is what, what comes in and shows up. And it's not that I haven't gone forever and go, and I just recognize myself like I, I can't be that person that goes and has a bunch of drinks. Like even at my age, like that's, that's just for me, that's off limits. I, I don't, I don't want to do any drugs like that. That for me, it just takes me to a place that I don't want to go back to. And I know that, that God rescued me from that so mm -hmm. that I could be an example and be someone say, you can fight that off, right? Whether it is the obesity side or whether it is, you know, alcohol and drugs, like you got to get to the other side of it. And life is so much better, not under the influence, not being sedated by all of that stuff. And I think that's where fitness can become a gift. And it's why God really has us moving because I've found when my fitness is in alignment, my faith is typically more in alignment. My family's more in alignment. My finances, right? Like all these things come together. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's why you live a fully intentional life without, without those pillars, you know, you're, you're not really fully functioning anymore. You're just, you're just kind of hurtling, kind of uh, humbling um, or hobbling through, I guess I would say, just, you're just kind of making through. Don't live that way. Go all in. Go all in and be your best in all of those areas. I love that. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all of this and also for sharing your journey. There's so much value to take from that. So many key points to implement as well. And, you know, to wrap up the whole podcast, one last question is, is there a specific life motto that you live by, a quote, a personal one, or for someone else that daily inspires you? So I go back to um, love God and love people has been really a mantra. We share that in our house here. And from that, I share with my kids every day of be a blessing. And, and I think that that for me is when you encounter people, if you have the intention and you have the mindset of be a blessing, it means that you're going to be nice. You're going to be kind. You're going to do extra for people. You're going to show up your best. You're going to do the things that you know you need to do because being a blessing means that you're going to do the things when you don't feel like it. You're going to do things that are not required of you. And mm -hmm. if you love God and you love people, what I found, you start there. When you love God, you're going to accept his love probably better than you would if, if you weren't in a relationship. And if you love people, it's pretty interesting when you show up and are kind to people and you love them for who they are and where they are and their potential and what God created them to be, how they reciprocate that. And so if you live your life that way, you know, I found it doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, but it does mean you have that, that pursuit and, and you know where you're going and why you're here. I think those questions, when they're answered, Life can be beautiful. Wow, what a beautiful way. And it's so deep, you know. I think all of these things, if we take that into heart, we were already full 
by the love by Jesus like everything we have everything we are at no matter where in the journey that we are already done we're already full and yet we're always evolving so much as a human being but thank you so much Brian for all of these things um and again I'm so happy to share that for all the listeners thank you so much for tuning in let me and Brian know what was you know one of your realizations or key takeaways out of this podcast tag us on Instagram Facebook and also um, hit up Brian on Instagram, connect with him if you have any questions towards his business, personal questions. The last thing uh, would be, Brian, like how can people best connect with you? Do you have a preferred way? And also, um, where is the, you know, can people uh, work with you? Oh, great question. So the website is www.briancovey.com. Really easy. Instagram is the Brian Covey. So someone had my name already. So I took that. If you hit me up on either one of those, I respond by own DMs, respond to things there. And then if you go to the website, you'll see everything from the book, the podcast, how to work with me, um, investment deals, learn more about, you know, all these things we talked about. That'll all be there and um, be honored to go on the journey with you. Okay, beautiful souls. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day life to untangle wisdom and abundance on all levels. If you feel connection to this audio experience, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Your Universal Way, and my personal Instagram, Ozinjun, O-C-C-I-N-J-U-N. And always remember, there is no right or wrong way, just your universal way. See you next time.